2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, September 19th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. Joining me on today's podcast, Slash Film Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, how was your weekend?
1: Um, It was fine, I suppose.
2: <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... To basically, just binge watch the new season of Cobra Kai. I haven't finished yet. I'm on like the. I have like one episode left, but enjoying it. And we'll talk about Karate Kid a little bit later. But before we start today's podcast, we actually have a giveaway.
1: Indeed, uh, we are giving away some digital codes for Confess Fletch. Uh, which is the new movie starring John Hamm in the role that Chevy Chase uh, famously played back in the eighties in a couple of movies, uh, and so just just for a little official copy here, Confess Fletch is now in theaters on digital and on demand. John Hamm stars as the charming Fletch, an investigative reporter who becomes the prime suspect in a murder case and must figure out who really done it in this fun comedy romp. Buy or rent Confess Fletch today, rated R from Miramax. If you go to the Slash Film Twitter feed, uh, you will find a giveaway tweet there. Just follow the instructions, uh, and you will be entered for a chance to win uh, one of five codes we have so that you can watch Confess Fletch yourself from the comfort of your home.
2: Are we going to make it easy for people and link the, the tweet in the podcast description or will they have to go on search
1: you know i imagine we, we can probably do them a solid and put the the, the tweet in in the show notes
2: <laughs> okay there'll probably be more entries that way but sure fine okay <laughs> um yeah so go do that and uh brad are you have you seen the original fletch movie with um What's his name? Chevy Chase. Uh, Chevy Chase. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I actually just watched Fletch for the first time within the past couple years um, because, you know, I, obviously I'd heard good things and whatnot. Um, and I liked it okay. I, I didn't – it wasn't quite as uh, funny as I thought it would be. Ch- Chevy Chase definitely, you know, made it work better, I think, than it otherwise uh, might have. But it has a weird thing where, like, it tries to balance, like, some serious, like – murder mystery intrigue kind of things with chevy chase's brand of comedy which is a little more uh broad i guess in this movie um and it didn't always feel like it worked uh very well for me um I, as i understand it uh even though the trailer for confessed flesh wasn't all that uh great I, i've seen tons of people saying how good it actually is so uh it's directed by Greg Motola, who did uh Super Bad, so I, I need to check it out and see uh see if it's actually uh as good as people are saying.
2: Greg also did Adventureland? Is yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I remember watching this movie when Kevin Smith was attached to direct a prequel called Fletch Fletch One. One. Yeah, yeah, W-O-N. Yeah, and I remember uh reading into it and that uh, that uh that movie was very different than the source material because yeah, it's based yeah. on a series of books. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Chevy Chase. Uh but maybe I should check out this this new movie. Uh do, do you know if this is more in line with the books?
1: Yeah, from what I understand it's a little more in line with the books because they uh Greg Matella specifically said that they didn't want to try and like Uh, emulate Chevy Chase's take on the character like steal some of his bits because some of the stuff he brought to the character like uh, the the fake names and like the disguises and stuff like that isn't something that is really in the books very much so it's uh, yeah they, they definitely leaned more into the source material and made it made it their
2: own. What's going on in your background, Brad? There was like some kind it's just, of noise.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's Velociraptors. Don't worry. They're, they're always coming around.
2: <laughs> okay, let's uh, dive into the news. Let's first start out with Blade Runner. There's a new Blade Runner limited series coming to Amazon. Tell us about it, Brad.
1: Yeah, so, you know, obviously we had uh, Blade Runner 2049 happen not too long ago. Uh, didn't do quite as well as the box office as you, you would have hoped to see for a movie like that, which was fantastic, a great continuation of uh, the Blade Runner mythos. Um, but now we're getting a limited series coming to Amazon Prime Video in the form of Blade Runner 2099. And in case it's not clear, yes, the show will be set 50 years after Blade Runner 2049. So that means you're probably not going to see Harrison Ford back as Deckard, and we probably won't see Ryan Gosling back as K either. So it's very likely we'll see a, a new cast of characters within the world uh, of Blade Runner. And uh, this series it will actually be coming from uh, Silka Luisa, who is known for creating and showrunning the Apple TV Plus series Shining Girls uh she'll be in charge of that that makes me wonder too um if the like i want i just wonder what what kind of character they're going to focus on you know will will we be following you know uh, a, a replicant again will they maybe mix things up and have us follow a, a female character in the lead role this time instead of following uh, a male character i think there's uh you know some potential here to do something a little bit different than we've seen before
2: yeah, no, I, I I think that's right, and I, I I do you know a lot of people were bagging on this on Twitter when it was announced uh, late last week. Uh, Ridley Scott's involved as you, as you mentioned, I think, and um, I don't know. Blade Runner to me, uh, I know people love the original Blade Runner. To me, I found it like uh, at a time where I don't know. I think I was like more into like Star Wars, and so yeah. And Blade Runner was you know it's a slow burn. Brad it's a slow burn of a movie uh, to me what fascinated me about Blade Runner was more of the world of the story than the actual story it, it concentrates on um, probably less so in uh, the, the sequel I think I was more invested in the sequel which I, I, I know I'm an anomaly here I know everybody like loves that original Blade Runner but I, I do think the world of Blade Runner has enough there to you know satisfy a TV series I guess my big question is: can, uh, Are they going to have the budget to to show that world in a satisfying way?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I I feel like nowadays with technology, you know, if if they want to use the volume or something like that, then they they can probably uh, pull it off a little bit easier. And I guess like. You know, even though Blade Runner does have this like, the, um, you know, unique visual style and presentation um, of what Los Angeles looks like in the future, I think there's probably a way to get away with like giving that feel and scope without having it be like in every single shot, because like a lot of the, the media stuff, media stuff in Blade Runner, you know, takes place uh, on the rainy streets and alleys. And so those kinds of sets aren't necessarily super hard to, yeah. to, to recreate, you know, and, and do it on a budget.
2: Okay, our next story is Indoor had its world premiere last week and with that a bunch of press including us have seen the first four episodes. Brad, did you see all four episodes? Indeed I did. By all four I don't mean like the series is four episodes. They they gave press access to only four episodes. Yeah, um, you you guys will be
1: seeing the first three on premiere day. So we got yeah. a bonus episode.
2: Yeah, so the early buzz has hit the web, and it seems like everybody loves this. Uh, let me let me read you some some uh, uh, reactions here. Ryan Scott, who you know from Slash Film says, a best-looking Star Wars show of the bunch actually works as a show. Loved it. Even as someone who felt uh, empty after Boba Fett and Obi-Wan, shows I was more excited for, this really worked for me. Um, let's see. Let's see a varied response here. Uh, uh, David Chen. David Chen, like, has hated almost all the Star Wars stuff, except for Last Jedi so far. He said, quote, I've seen the first three episodes of Andor, and I say this with the utmost conviction, this is going to be a show that gets me back into Star Wars. Andor introduces new memorable characters, plus an intriguing arc for Andor, and it actually has something to say. Episode three is spectacular. Okay, well, Brad, I don't want to, um, you know, spoil our eventual Andor recap podcast, Uh, but very quickly, what what are your thoughts on Andor?
1: So, one thing I will say is, uh, I so I watched the first two episodes uh, and then I stopped simply because I wasn't very invested in it, and uh, it's because yeah,
2: we 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 had a discussion last week after the podcast we were talking, and I think I tried to convince you to watch episode three.
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, and I, I was always going to. I just, I just like wasn't in a hurry to do it because I, 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 you know, wasn't enthralled with the first two episodes, and that's mostly because they're they're a slow burn. Um, a, dare I say, even a bit of a slog? But it's because they're they are doing a lot of setup for what comes in episode three, which is really when the show kicks into gear, and it's a fantastic episode. And it, it made me feel less, uh, I guess, you know, bitter or judgmental of those first two episodes. And this is exactly why they're giving you three episodes for the premiere day. Because I think that if they gave you only the first one or two, you probably might have the same reaction that I did. But once you watch episode three, you'll be all in on the show. And episode four is also a fantastic uh, installment. It's I'm, I'm invested in the characters. There's a lot of mysterious plots going on. And I think the best thing is that it has this... World War 2 thriller vibe to it where they really make it so that it's hard to trust anybody with what's going on. Anybody could be a spy, uh you know, with with the Empire's rise and the Rebel Alliance, you know, trying to grow and and fight back, it's tough to to trust in anybody. And so, uh just that vibe that it captures really really impressed me and yeah, I I I'm all in now on Andor.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it on our recap with you and Brian. And uh I I do want to say that um The show is really unlike I was going to say the other Star Wars TV series on Disney Plus, but it's actually unlike any other Star Wars thing, Uh, at least in, uh, you know, visual media. Maybe maybe there's something in the book form that's like this, but it, it really is like for adults. It feels like a show that if you showed a kid, they would be bored.
1: Yeah, at least at least when it comes to younger kids, I, I have a feeling that they're not going to be super uh invested in this in the series. It feels like it's hard for younger kids to latch onto. Um, but I I think like maybe like young adult Star Wars fans will still find something to enjoy about it.
2: Yeah, but it really feels more like an HBO series than it does a Disney Plus series. Feels like a prestige, like really well directed, elevated, you know, premium cable kind of show and uh on top of that like it has a lot of things that like uh uh, usually when i think star wars i think of like you know uh cute creatures funny droids uh i don't think it has either of those things i know i have argued with you uh when we were talking last week about uh um b2 emo uh it was kind of like uh english um dry humor
1: yeah, yeah. He's got a couple of funny, like, dry moments. Um, and, But yeah, there's no there's no focus on, like, cutesiness or – and there's, there's like, almost nothing in the way of, of humor in the show either. It, yeah. it takes itself very, very seriously.
2: There's no Han Solos. There's no characters that have that, like – you know, I don't want to say comic relief because comic relief is almost like a, a bad word at this point. But, like, there's no levity at all this is like very very serious um and uh yeah anyways I'm really enjoying it I I do think that some Star Wars fans might have trouble with it because it's so different than other Star Wars things I will say that after having all these shows shot in the volume I'm so happy like I thought it was like oh the volume is the future I'm not not saying the volume isn't the future I'm not like anti-volume or anti-stagecraft, uh, I should say. Um, but after seeing this show use practical sets, I'm like, why aren't the other shows using, like, these kind of practical sets? It's like everything feels so much more real um, on these practical sets. Anyways, uh, we can talk about this more at length uh, on our episode coming up. So, uh, But, yeah, be excited for Andor, and I would follow Brad's advice and do not – write it off until you finish episode three so um okay let's uh let's move on uh it's still in the star wars realm of this show uh last week disney had officially has officially removed patty jenkins star wars rogue squadron from the release cal- uh, release schedule uh this is, a, is something that was announced during the pandemic and uh, i think it was pushed back at one point and uh now it's completely gone Uh, there had been rumors that it was not going to happen. Brad, what is going on with Rogue Squadron?
1: I mean, if anything, I I would assume that they're probably just trying to get the script right. You know, it's been in development this whole time. And I imagine they're probably just working and they, they want to put their best foot forward with this, this movie, you know, it's, it's supposed to be part of the new era of of star Wars. And so there's a lot of pressure riding on whatever movies uh, come out in that first wave that follows, uh, you know, the end of the, the Skywalker saga. So there's, I, I think they're just working hard to make sure that it's something that people want to see that they're happy with the the state of the script before they actually go in front of cameras. You know, it's uh it's a big deal. These these new Star Wars movies are going to really set the stage for what's to come, and so I'm sure they, it just needs to be in the the best form possible.
2: It just seems weird that they've like Disney and Lucasfilm continually announce things, even if this actually does happen with Patty Jenkins. Um, like I don't know, it got put on the schedule, got pushed, it got taken off the schedule. Like, it, it, has there been another franchise that's had so many things announced changed? Ah, uh, completely removed from the you know the schedule, not not happening. Directors change. I feel like there's. I, I mean,
1: Mar- Marvel has had their fair share of things happen. They've swapped directors. You know, I mean, Patty Jenkins famously was supposed to direct Thor: The Dark World, and that yeah. didn't happen. You know, uh, they announced Inhumans as a movie, and we all know what happened there. Um. So yeah, I, I think it's yeah. This stuff it happens happen- from the it time happened time to time.
2: a lot less though over at Marvel. I think.
1: I mean, considering and- the number of movies they've made in the past 15 years, <laughs> abs- absolutely, but but yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, we'll keep an eye on this. Uh, I hope it happens because it sounded like a cool idea for a movie. Or, or, or do, you, do you hope it actually comes to fruition?
1: I do. And, you know, part of me wonders if maybe they might be, like, retooling stuff in the wake of Top Gun Maverick. You know, maybe they saw what worked oh. there and, like, maybe, maybe they thought were coming too close to what Top Gun Maverick was, and so they're retooling because of that, or maybe they're trying to lean into making it so that it feels like, you know, the Star Wars version of Top Gun Maverick. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that had an influence on what's going on there.
2: That That's definitely a good call there. Okay, our final story for today, uh, James Cameron has been doing some interviews in promotion of Avatar, and uh, if we have an article on the site. Uh, why Avatar director James Cameron believes 3D is quote, not over uh, Brad tell us tell us about it.
1: Yeah, so Avatar is getting uh re-released in a remastered form in theaters soon. So James Cameron and uh, the cast of the original Avatar participated in this uh, virtual press conference that we attended and and talked about the the movie and how it's endured over the past decade or so. Uh, I think it's 13 years now since Avatar came out. Um and so yeah, someone asked you know James Cameron about uh you know 3D and the technology and uh where you know kind of it's at today and so cameron said quote i would say that the 3d was generally embraced for a period of time avatar won the best cinematography uh with a 3d digital camera and no digital camera had ever won the best cinematography oscar before then two out of the three subsequent years the same cameras were used by the cinematographers that won the oscar so you got three out of four years where the academy embraced digital cinematography and all three of those films were in 3d And then he went on to say, 3D appears to most people to sort of be, quote, over. But it's not really over. It's just been accepted. It's now a part of your choices when you go to the theater to see a big blockbuster movie. I I liken it to color. When color films first came out, it was a big deal. People would go to see movies because they were in color. I think around the time of Avatar, people used to go see movies because they were in 3D. I think it had an impact on how films were presented. And that's now just sort of accepted and part of the zeitgeist and how it's done. Um, and I, I don't know, I think he's partially right, but I, I don't know about you, but I don't know the last time that I went out of my way to see a 3d movie.
2: I, I've definitely haven't gone out of my way to see a 3d movie. You know, I was going to go see jaws in 3d They had that re-release of jaws. Yeah. I heard that was cool, but it was more so I wanted to see jaws again on the big screen than I wanted to see what it would be like in 3d Do you know what i mean like the right. 3d aspect of it wasn't the thing that was gonna bring me in um i i don't know i i think his points here are kind of not valid i i i'm gonna argue with james cameron here but i think the fact that uh you know oscar the oscars for cinematography went to digital camera movies for a few years and uh, what what does that prove, Brad? I don't think that proves that like 3D is now not over. And I also don't think that – I don't know. It, how many people go to the theater now for like a big Marvel film and are like, we must see this in 3D? Yeah. Like,
1: I mean actually I was kind of surprised that um, when Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness came out, like I saw a thing that's saying that it wasn't 3D. And I was actually surprised because I, I felt like I hadn't heard about – any big blockbuster getting like a a 3D, you know, major release like that. So, I I'm, I'm not sure how how prominent, you know, 3D is anymore if people still like to see movies in theaters in 3D.
2: That said, I'm not a 3D hater. When we were at um D23 Expo and they showed us 15 or 20 minutes of Avatar: The Way of Water, I was so impressed like seeing that footage in 3D even on like a, we were so far away from the screen. It was just like oh my God, is this what 3D was like? Why did we not like this? It, 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 watching the footage, uh, really, it was like breathtaking. Not not just the visuals of the movie, but just the it, the th- 3D-ness of it. Um, and I, when 3D was happening, to me, it felt like, my argument's always been like, when filmmakers cared about the 3D, you got good 3d, but when the filmmakers didn't care, it was like an afterthought that they converted into 3d and uh, 3d conversions are, are fine now. Like you can actually do a good 3d conversion, but I feel like if you're not conceiving a film, if, if the, the filmmaker's not framing the film, like with 3d in mind, then like what, why should me as an audience member, why should I even care about watching it in 3d? Because it's not going to be a good 3d experience
1: yeah and well and that too and i think that you know uh the biggest problem that and we we covered this you know extensively on slash film everyone did is that there were so many movies that weren't actually shot in 3d but were converted to 3d and that kind of tainted You know, the appeal of what 3D could do visually and people kind of just brush it off because they, you know, they saw some bad 3D movies and it didn't really feel like it was anything special. But, you know, Avatar was one of those movies that was shot in 3D. It has impressive visuals where the 3D really does enhance it and it does immerse you uh, in the in the visuals in the world of Pandora. And uh, like you said, I definitely felt that, you know, in the footage they showed. Uh, at d23 uh and so yeah if i i wonder if maybe there'll be somewhat of a resurgence in 3d after avatar uh the way of water comes out if maybe it'll get picked back up again but yeah i i I think he's right to a certain point that it's not over but i don't think it's quite as uh impactful or embraced as he he feels it is
2: yeah him comparing it to color is baffling to me because it's not like I mean, yes, I don't like turn on my TV and look for a color movie because all the movies are in color. Well, I mean, that's not true. But, you know, for the most part, when I'm going through the TV, most of the stuff is in color. It's not like I have a choice between color and black and white like here. And
1: most most people don't have 3D TVs, and I'm pretty sure I've seen a lot of uh, big sales where 3D Blu-rays were uh, on sale discounted pretty steeply because no one was buying them.
2: Yeah. Also, TVs that uh, and projectors that did 3D's, like uh, like I think they make less of them now. So I I don't know. I I do feel like he's trying to paint a different picture than what is actually going on. I I do feel like 3D isn't a decline. That doesn't mean it's dead. I I think you could have a great like a big movie like Avatar: The Way of Water, or you know something from a a big name director, and that that could create another wave of 3D uh yeah i just i don't know he seems so stubborn brad james cameron seems so stubborn and like he seems to see the world in his own way and he uh i don't i mean he's smart enough to like never bet against james cameron so i'm not i'm not going to say that uh you know this isn't the sequel isn't going to do great in three day because i i think it could i think that if people well the problem is how do you get people to go back to the movie theater and see it in 3D unless you require it to be 3D.
1: Yeah, I feel like if anything that might be the what what they the route that they go um and that maybe it'll m- most of the screenings will be in 3D uh and there'll only be, you know, uh a limited amount of avatar screenings that aren't in 3D.
2: Yeah, that's probably it because I was going to say b- back in the day when they had Avatar 1 they did all like these nationwide like previews for avatar and i think that's what convinced people about 3d is is, uh seeing that and then the buzz to come from that um but nowadays they really aren't doing that they did that at d23 and uh yeah anyways um so what do you think brad do you do you think we will see another wave of 3d or do you think 3d is gonna be kind of on the wayside for for a while (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I feel like it'll still be on on the wayside. You know, I, I just I feel like if Avatar was already like making waves and impressing people behind the scenes, you would maybe hear more about other movies wanting to take advantage of shooting in three D and whatnot, and we're and we're not hearing that yet. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe once the the response from audiences has gotten out there, and like if it's another big box office hit, then maybe it'll happen. But I I don't know. I'm not counting on it.
2: Yeah, me neither. Okay. You can find more of all of our work at slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast every, uh, three times a week now uh, on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to peter at com. And please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Wednesday.